0: Welcome to a better divorce podcast, where we have conversations about the emotional financial and legal issues that are on your mind, or should be on your radar. If your goal is to keep your divorce out of court. I'm collaborative divorce attorney and mediator Andrea Vaca. And I know that how you divorce matters to your long term well being. That's why it's my mission to help you have a better divorce with as little acrimony as possible, so that you can create the best life possible on the other side of your marriage. Hello, everyone. Today we have Dr. Randy Heller joining us today on A Better Divorce podcast. Uh, I want to introduce Randy. She's the founder and the clinical director of The Family Network, the Collaborative Counseling Center for Positive Growth and Change, which she established in 1994. She has a doctorate in family therapy and is a licensed mental health counselor and licensed marriage and family therapist in New York, Florida and Connecticut, and is actively working with clients in all of those states. She's also a certified mediator and collaborative divorce family specialist and child specialist, and has served in leadership positions of collaborative professional groups in Florida and New York. And to just say even more about how wonderful Randy is and why she's invited here today is because she wrote her dissertation on the role of the mental health professional working in collaborative divorce. And that's why we wanted her here. And Randy, I'm so um, excited to have you. Welcome to a Better Divorce podcast. Oh,
1: thank you, Andrea. I'm so happy to be here. I really appreciate the invitation.
0: Yeah. Um, So I thought, wait, before, we're going to be talking today about the role of the mental health professional in the collaborative process. So I thought we could get started with you just telling us briefly about, you know, how you would describe what the collaborative divorce process is.
1: Okay, great. So yeah, the collaborative divorce process um, involves a team of professionals working together. um, And I I, um, hesitated because we use that word collaboration all the time. It's a team of professionals working together and collaborating to help families reach the best resolution possible for their individual needs as a family. Um, And so what that looks like for me is I work on a team with two attorneys, each person uh, in the Divorcing couple is represented by uh, an attorney, and we also bring in a neutral financial professional and a mental health professional, a neutral mental health professional, that would be me in these cases, and we work together integrating our knowledge, our skills, our abilities, our values um, together to help a family
0: move through this process in a way that meets their needs. Right it's it's a wonderful team approach to deal with the emotional legal and financial issues that are in every divorce and i love working in this process and i so value and more than value it's it's an ultimate it's a necessity to have the mental health professional on on the team and now even when i'm not doing collaborative divorce i want a mental health professional working with me and my clients and and to help them deal with all the emotional issues. So let's talk about what is the role of the mental health professional in the collaborative process? What exactly do you do and what do you aim to do?
1: Yeah, so as we talked about, um, we orchestrate and choreograph what we do based on the family's needs. So each family will be different although there are certain protocols that we follow regardless of what family we're working with. So what that means is I, as a mental health professional, typically will meet with the clients even before we start uh, our first big, as we call big team meeting. Um, what I may have neglected to say before is that as we're moving them through these this process, we meet for a series of meetings to help them to deal with all of the different issues that they're going to be having to resolve. And so typically I will meet with the couple and I I will say always, and then I'll say as a caveat, always if they agree and if it's possible, but I always prefer to meet with the couple together first. And the reason for that is so that I can assess the dynamics between them. I can look at their interaction patterns, I can see How do they invite a reaction or a response from the other person? How do they manage a reaction or a response from the other person? What are their goals? Are they shared goals? Are they independent goals? Are they stuck in their positions of, I want this and I want this, and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. So I'm looking and I'm assessing this couple to see, okay, what do we have to understand about them as a team in order to help them to move through in the best way. Commonly, one person is more ready for this process than another. So it's also helping them to kind of come up to meet each other where they are, to understand each other's perspective and to learn different skills than they had in their marriage. I know we're gonna talk about that a little bit uh, later. So, the the role is multifaceted in addition to working with the couple i'm also helping the team to understand these dynamics so after i meet with a couple i will then go back to the team and i'll say okay i met with so and so and this is what i saw and this is what i learned and this is how i think we can best meet their needs here are the things we have to be cautious about here are the things really are upsetting to one or both of them. Here are their worries and their concerns and their fears and their doubts. And then we as a team strategize for how do we go about meeting those needs in the best way possible?
0: It's so helpful to have that perspective, that neutral perspective, because I hear, I'll hear, i hear from my client what's going on for him or her and what's going on for the other spouse, how they're reacting. I can see it. I could try to coach a little, but to have the perspective from your, from what you're seeing and how they're interacting and the triggers that they're each reacting to, how they're triggering each other or being triggered, it's invaluable. And how we should temper our questions, how we should best bring our, you know, for those clients that are in different places, and they always are, no one has ever come to the decision for a divorce at the same exact time. Right. And sometimes it's quite extreme. Someone's been thinking about it for two years. Somebody just found out last month, you know, you might have that situation. And so how do we move having your advice on how we can move one person a little faster and slow the other one down, you know, um, the words, the actions, it's so important yeah. um, to help balance the, the emotional, um, and bring balance to the emotional imbalance. You yes. Know? And uh to that to piggyback on that sometimes there's a power
1: imbalance yeah. sometimes one is and i'll say more often one is more submissive one is more assertive one is more well versed in the finances one is more uh adept at handling the children so it's about equalizing that and helping helping to balance that as well and the other thing is emotions are in very different places and emotions run through the gamut you know one day they could be so angry and hating each other and the next day sad and lamenting over this decision to divorce so it's also about helping the team to understand the gamut of emotions that are gonna are are going to play out one more thing is oftentimes i meet with couples and they're still living together they're going through this process and they're still living together so we have to figure out a way to help them to manage living together while they're going through a process that's going to pull them apart,
0: if you will. Exactly. And if they have children, I mean, I think uh, such an important role of the mental health professional in the collaborative process is to help the clients with their parenting plan. And when they're still living together, maybe helping them to start seeing themselves as separate parents and how to co-parent while living together and trying out different schedules or doing something different and new, how to talk to the children, how to tell them about the divorce. You play such a big role in that too. Do you want to say anything more about the parenting aspect? Sure. As a matter
1: of fact, right before this podcast, I was on um, with a couple who've decided to split and they have a four-year-old and uh, one of them can't afford to move out yet so there's a lot of conflict and they're living together again with a four-year-old child so the first thing we did was establish ground rules for living together under these circumstances and living parallel lives, under these circumstances. And when I say parallel lives, I mean their lives are no longer intersecting around their romantic relationship. Their lives are now intersecting around their child. And so, how do they navigate that? When do they? When don't they? You know, when do they call the other person? When do they discuss issues? When do they, you know, do they eat together? Do they, what do they do together? What don't they do together? And how do they decide? that. So helping them to navigate that. And then once they separate, okay, how do they manage time sharing? How do they manage um, really understanding the needs of the child? And that's a really hard thing. It's a really hard thing to help them to separate their own needs, their own pain, their own emotions from the needs of their child or children and what they're going through and so i really try to help them to focus on the needs of the child and that's hard to do because they're grieving they're grieving the relationship
0: it's so hard and that's why having the mental health professional to help provide that guidance and sounding board for them when they're not in the room negotiating or talking about things, but to always keep the children front and center. If they can both get on that page, even it makes even the financial negotiations even a little easier because we have a, a common, you know, goal,
1: you know, correct. And it's about, you know, I always remind them to keep their eye on the goal and keep their eye on the ball. If you will, I refer to myself when I'm in this process as the bumpers on the bowling alley. So I don't know if, uh any of you out there have little children and have taken them bumper bowling but what happens in that in that context is that when the ball goes to the gutter there's a bumper that pops up and it pushes them back to center and that's how i see myself in this process i keep them centered and i keep them with their eye on the ball and their eye on the goal and i will say this in all of the matters that i've worked on and i've worked on many When there are children, the goal is most often the same. Um, I would would like to say most always the same. I want my children to be okay at the end of this. And so what I help them to realize is that their children, and this came out of my dissertation research as well, their children will be better than okay if they are peaceful in their own world and happy and co-parenting well together their children will be better than okay. And when I say that, people look at me like, what do you mean? Well, resilience comes out of dealing with adversity and managing adversity. So of course we don't tell people go out and get divorced and your kids will be better. But what we do say is if you two handle this well, your children will actually do better than children who are in intact families. And the reason for that is because they have to learn how to navigate the challenges of divorce, moving back and forth from one house to another. Remembering their things from one house to another, dealing with the difficulty of not having your parents together in one home and all the other things that come with it. So, I'm not suggesting that there's not adversity in divorce. However, what I am suggesting is if you have a good divorce and a peaceful divorce,
0: your children will learn to manage challenging circumstances. Uh, Yeah, I've always. I really love that because I often I just told a client this yesterday that, and children will do much better in a good divorce than they will in an unhappy marriage. The the ramifications of living with parents who no longer love each other, who are fighting, where there's tension all the time, that and you're modeling a terrible relationship for the child. To divorce well, you're setting you're modeling how we overcome differences, how we communicate, even when we're not happy. But I never really thought about the resilience also factor that they're learning. You've put them in a difficult situation, admittedly, but you can show them they can grow from that. You're not gonna do it on purpose, as you said, but there could be good outcomes to that. Yeah, and also to see you as their parent and
1: their model handling adversity and knowing that you can do that and also to see you managing a relationship with somebody that you no longer have things in common with other than them of course but you know i think there's so much for children to learn from watching their parents to do this well and so what's really important to recognize is that a big part of my role is to teach them to do this well and i say that with compassion because If most people coming through the divorce process knew how to solve problems, communicate well, show respect toward one another, parent cohesively, they probably wouldn't be getting divorced. And so I I talked to them about that from the get go. And I normalized that for them that, you know, it makes sense that you don't know how to do this. It makes sense that you are communicating with aggression or what seems to be disrespect or anger and hostility because you don't know how to do it a a better way um, to quote the title of your podcast. And so we are teaching them, we are there to educate and teach them how to do it better. Um, And I can tell you that so often they really appreciate it. And I can tell you that there have been times where people have said to me, I wish we knew you before. And perhaps if we knew you before we wouldn't be here or we're so grateful to be learning this because also what it does is it sets them up for future relationships right so they don't continue to repeat the same patterns in the next relationship and the next relationship as they have in this relationship so there's a lot
0: of learning that can go on in this process as well right learning learning about yourself, learning about future relationships, teaching your children so they can learn differently. Yeah, it's, yeah. and I if you don't do all these things, if you don't try, at least try to figure out and manage your emotions, they, I guarantee it will hijack your ability to make financial decisions, legal decisions, practical decisions. Mm-hmm. You will not have. Good outcome. It, it, it will be very short lived. It might be based on guilt. It might be out of frustration that you come to an agreement or exhaustion. You, right. Those things will happen if you don't set yourself up earlier on to start recognizing what you're feeling and what you're dealing with and yes. how to handle that.
1: And, and if I can um, add to that, Andrea, all of what you just said is emotionally charged. Right. So financial decisions are emotionally charged. Will I have to, will I have enough to live on after this? I don't know how to manage my finances. I never had to. Now I have to, I don't know how to fix the lighting in the house. If it, if it breaks, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to live alone. So all of those things, when you say practical decisions or, you know, my, soon to be ex-spouse is not really good with the children. So I'm worried about how they're going to be after this with the children. So all of those practical, financial and legal decisions have an emotional component. And so that's where my role is so, I think, important in helping everyone to talk about these um, in the midst of that emotional charge. And let me add, so it's not only the clients that I help to manage, Um, When I'm working on a team, it's really important for me to help to, I don't want to say to manage the professionals, but help the the professionals to manage their biases, their emotional reactivity to whatever's going on in the room, their uh, needs and interests in the process, and to help them also to keep their eye on the ball and to know this is not about them. At the end of the day, you go home And this family has to be on their own without you. And so making decisions for them is not okay. Guiding them to decisions, sure, that's what they were there for. Speaking for them, not okay. That's what they're there for. We need to help them. And the thing I love most about the philosophy of collaborative divorce is that it's a client-driven process. This is their life, their family, their children, we're not a judge and jury we're there to guide them and support them and help them and walk through this with them but we're not there to control it or control them and that's really important we want to empower them with skills so that when we do go home at the end of the day they can manage their lives without us
0: right and they're not calling with emergencies and they don't know what to do and they know that it's a much calmer Way of when issues come up, they know they have the team there. But right. to get back to the uh, to the the clients or the attorneys, when I was litigating many years ago, I I definitely know with, it was so much easier to go to get triggered by the work you were doing because you only saw one side, you only saw your client, you only identified with your client, and it was very easier to start taking things personally. And sure. I would always try not to. But I can see with my you know the other attorneys that would happen so easily but in the collaborative process because you're actively talking to the other spouse you're engaging with them you're asking them what's important to them you're hearing them directly it's not through the filter of their attorney right um it it does lessen the um, risk of taking your client's matter too personally but it's still there Yes, it is. And it is still there. We are human. We connect with our clients. We're worried about them. We want the best for them, and sometimes we we can lose perspective, even though we're in the collaborative process. So having the mental health professional on the team that I could call and say, "Hey, I don't know if I handled that that well. I don't I don't think I asked that question right during this meeting today. Can you give me a little coaching? Like what what was going on? You know, right. I don't want to react like that. I'm not." This is not a deposition. I don't want to be questioning the other client. Like, right. isn't it true that this happened? You know, so um, you know, helping me be at my best. Yes, a yes. professional is really important too. A
1: hundred percent. And and you mean well. Yeah. But you don't even realize when you're biases are coming in the, are entering into the room. You, you, you just don't because you're focused on the one entity. So a lot also of what I do is help people to understand all the perspectives that are going on in the room simultaneously. And there's a multitude of perspectives. We all come into the room, we can say we're unbiased, but that's not true. And so it's really important to recognize that we do have a bias and try to understand it. And so I try to neutralize those biases. And I try to help everyone to understand divorcing spouses as well as the professionals. What's going on underneath the behaviors? Why is somebody acting a certain way? I can just quickly give you an example of a matter that I was working on. And one of the attorneys got furious with the husband because she said he wasn't quote, acting collaboratively. And so she actually got up and went across the table And I called a break, which is another thing that I do. I called a break and I went into a room and I talked with her and I tried to help her to understand what he was seeing in that room, what he was experiencing in that room that she didn't even recognize. And actually she said to me, to her credit, wow, thank you for helping me to see that because I didn't see it at all. I just saw he was being rude and disrespectful to my client and I felt he wasn't being collaborative. She went back into the room, she reached over the table again and she apologized to him. Mm -hmm. And the, the matter continued on. He appreciated it, he responded well to it, and it diffused everything that was going on in the room. And that happens a lot, and innocently.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, let's talk, if if somebody was listening to this and was interested and thinking, well, maybe collaborative divorce is something I should consider, um, or What other process might be right? Like, how can you help a couple figure out if collaborative is right for them or if another process would be better? How do you do you work with couples to help determine that?
1: Yeah, great question. So other mental health professionals oftentimes and sometimes attorneys as well will refer clients to me who are contemplating divorce and they will refer them to me because I am neutral. And, you know, I can work with them in a multitude of capacities. So I don't really have any investment in what they choose other than trying to steer them away from litigation, to be honest, because I think that's oftentimes a lose-lose for families. So they will come to me and I will sit, sit with them and I will discuss all of the divorce options that there are available to them. And what I need to understand is the magnitude of their issues. You know, how long have they been married? Do they have children? What does their marital estate look like? I'm not a financial professional, but I can tell if, you know, somebody's got homes in various states or countries and assets and a shared business or things like that, you know, what kinds of things do they need support and help to untangle and unravel and separate? And how much support do they need is really the key for me. So. If I'm working with a couple and there's minimal issues and minimal things to be decided and divided and maybe not even any children, then, you know, mediation might work for them. Um, But if there are other issues, and I think more often than not, there are that require them to have an advocate in an attorney and and I say a non adversarial advocate in an attorney who can help them to understand some of the legal dynamics that they may not even understand and financial issues that they may not understand, then I think a team really works well because we each bring discipline specific skills to the table and knowledge to the table. And then we share those skills and we integrate them to help people to move through this process and deal with the emotional, financial and legal issues that come up in a divorce. And so more often than not, I am recommending the collaborative process. And the truth is, you know, people say, well, you know, you're paying for a full team. That's a lot of people to help us to move through. However, what I believe is that if each of us can help them resolve the uh, challenges that they have in each of these different areas, it will be more cost effective and they'll have a better outcome. It's an investment. I'm
0: sorry, I spoke over you.
1: That's all right. I was saying they'll have a sustainable outcome. You know, we can settle almost anything if we're any any of us are any good at mediation and communication. We could probably help them to settle almost anything. But will that settlement be sustainable?
0: Exactly. I, the I, you know, it's, I see it as an investment, and you might lay out a little more in the beginning because you're hiring your two attorneys, you're paying retainers to the to you know the other neutral professional, the financial and the mental health professional. But then you're working with on the parenting issues at a much lower hourly rate with Dr. Heller than you are, you know, with with, you know, me or the other attorney. Like, think about it. You know, one professional helping you work out a parenting plan versus, you know, two attorneys. It's not necessary, usually. Right. Um,
1: And I'm sorry, but I'm going to interject there if I can. And we're trained and educated in child development. So, we understand the nuances of children going through divorce in a way that, in all due
0: respect, Andrea, attorneys may not understand. We're not. We're not. And we're not trained in financial analysis either. We can issue we can spot the issues. We know what other parents have done. We know what other cases have looked like, but we we're not we're not we don't have an expertise in that. So I see it as an investment and because you're going to have that durable agreement you're going to have an agreement that has fully looked at all the different issues made make sure you've come to an agreement that works for everybody in right now and looking forward you know when people end up in court it's only you know what happened in the past and what's the future what's the present going to look like they can't tell you what to do in the future the collaborative process allows the clients to really look at What happens when this changes? What if this happens? How will we deal with that? What's our dispute resolution model? How, who, you know, who will we work with? Like all those things that can cause problems later are not going to cause problems because we've we've put time and effort in now so you don't have to worry about it later. So the emotional costs and the financial costs are lessened. Yes. By making this investment. If it's the right process for you. It's like Goldilocks and the three bears, right? It's like, maybe it's too little, maybe it's too much you know or just right you have to find the process that's just right but don't make cost the initial outlay the only factor in that or you will be you know sorely disappointed
1: right and so- the other thing is we we sit together and we can strategize based on the client's needs so we don't all have to be in the room, all at the same time, all of the time. We, as you said, I'm working offline with, with the clients um, on a parenting plan. So they're not paying for professionals uh, to sit with them and discuss their parenting plan or finances. We come together at various stages in the process, but we're not. you're not paying all of us all the time. Um, and so it can be more effective. The other thing is if I can help you to deal with your anger, your frustration, your hurts, your wounds. You'll be able to communicate much more effectively and listen much more effectively. And you know, recognize, okay, we don't know how to do this. This is why we're getting divorced. We need your help with this. So that becomes the mantra. This is why we're getting divorced. Help us with this.
0: Yeah, and they can listen and communicate better, not just with their spouse, um, but also with their attorney, <laughs> you know, they can really, you know, be there and answer questions and, and provide information that's important to them so that we can best advocate for them, too. So even or even with other family members who are maybe like the Greek chorus, like how to put that in perspective. Like there's so many things that you can help with. So whew, I mean, I could keep talking about this because it's such to me, it's one of the most essential. It is the most essential part of a collaborative team. And for anyone to think just you just need two lawyers who agree not to litigate. That is not what collaboration is, right without the mental health professional you don't even have a collaborative collaborative team if you ask me so.
1: and you know the struggling face is that oftentimes couples have been to marriage counseling and it didn't work for them they're getting divorced so when they hear mental health professional they think we don't need that we're not crazy and we've already tried that it didn't work. This is a different process we're not doing therapy we are helping them to Build skills that they didn't have in order to move through the divorce, not looking back at what went wrong, but looking forward at how can we do this better? Again,
0: a better divorce. A better divorce. So that leads me to my final question. What is your one better divorce tip?
1: Yeah, so my one better divorce tip is have compassion. Have compassion for yourself yourself have compassion for your partner, even though they're going to be your ex-spouse, neither one of you began your marriage thinking, okay, this isn't gonna work, we're gonna get divorced. You both began your marriage, in most cases, with a thought process of, you know, we're gonna be with each other for the rest of our lives perhaps, or hopefully. Or... So have compassion for the fact that it didn't work together together. And if you have children, be grateful that you came together. And the best thing that came out of your union was your children. So, you know, you learn, and grow, and you can do that with compassion. Mm -hmm. Thank
0: you. I love that, you know, have compassion for yourself too.
1: Yeah, it
0: it goes both ways. So thank you. Well, so Randy, thank you so much. What is the best way for people to reach you and find out more about you if they want to talk more?
1: Yeah, thanks. So um, in New York and Connecticut, you can reach me at uh, 646-717-6718. Or you can uh, contact me at n e t w k at AOL.com. Yes, I know it's antiquated, but so am I. Um, The Family, N-E-T-W-K at AOL. And I'd be happy to talk to you and, and help you in any way that I can. And what's the website? Oh, yeah. So for right now, you can reach me best at www.familynetworkflorida.com. However, I have a presence, as Andrea explained, in New York and Connecticut and Florida as well.
0: Yeah, you're everywhere. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Randy. And um, thank you, everyone, for joining us. This has been another episode of A Better Divorce Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you. You've been tuning into another episode of A Better Divorce Podcast with Andrea Vaca. Thank you for subscribing, leaving your positive comments and reviews, and sharing the show with others. You can watch episodes at VacaLaw.com, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook, and you can listen through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Bye for now. And remember, you can have a better divorce.